0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome
1: to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom.
0: When you look at churches across North America, you see shrinking numbers all the time. A lot of people worried about the church in decline. But does a declining church mean it's not a thriving church?
1: Well, today's guest took a cross-country trip to visit thriving churches in Canada, and she has prepared a new book to find out what the key is to being. A thriving church here in Canada. We're going to find out more about that book and what she discovered from her cross-country trip today on Connections. We're joined today by Lorraine Mackenzie Shepherd. She is a United Church minister. She serves Westworth United Church in Winnipeg.
0: So, uh, Lorraine, you're uh, you're a United Church minister. Is that correct?
2: That's correct. Yeah, I, I serve a Westworth United Church on uh, on. Uh... Uh, in River Heights in Grosvenor.
0: What was your call to ministry? Like, how did you experience that and, and follow?
2: Oh, my call to ministry that happened back in high school. <laughs> so that was a long time ago. Um, wow. So I, I had a bit of a circuitous route. I started, I grew up in the United church in Calgary, actually, as a little tyke. Um, and then we, my family moved to Victoria and we stopped going to church, um, uh I became involved with uh, some evangelical groups there. And so I actually became a Baptist and was a Southern Baptist for 10 years. Uh, went to, I have a couple of degrees from the Southern Baptist Seminary. Um, but in that whole process, I, um, uh, I guess you could say I was born again twice. <laughs> Second conversion experience into a, a more... Um, more inclusive, um, more holistic spirituality, I would say. I, while I was in the Southern Baptist Church, I was very concerned about poverty and the environment and all that. And they said, well, that's fine. Just don't confuse it with the gospel. And I thought, wow, that's, <laughs> that really doesn't seem to accord with the gospel I've read. <laughs> so, so that's, I mean, not, not to slam Baptist at all, because there's some really good things Baptists are doing. But but it um, I realized that for me, the social gospel was um, a, a clear reflection of, of the actual gospel that I'm reading. With, uh, with um, I think the second most common thing you can see in the gospels of uh, Jesus' teachings. The first is about the kingdom of, kingdom of God. And the second most common teaching is about poverty.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, so
2: it's um, he talked about that more than anything else, except for the kingdom of God. So I thought, okay, this this makes sense to kind of get back and do more of a social gospel way of of, uh, of reading. So. That's what actually took me back to the United Church, was, was that um, um, growing awareness of, of the importance of a holistic theology that tied all aspects of our lives together, you know, the, the environment, poverty, issues that affect the vulnerable. And, uh, and there's so many churches of all denominations that are, are following that today. Mennonites are amazing in, what, in how, they, how they do this. Uh, that's, uh, in a nutshell, how a very quick I can say double conversion story as to how I ended up working in the church.
0: Well, and whether you're Baptist or United or Mennonite, one thing they all have in common in recent years is seeing declining numbers in a lot of cases. And uh, you've become interested in uh, researching thriving churches. How did that all come about?
2: Um, Well, it came about with my ministry at Westworth. So I've been there... Uh, I think I'm in my seventh year, or eighth year, anyway, seven or eight years, and um, we were doing a number of things. We we, we we revised a mission statement and a governance structure, and um, we were in, in, doing well in many ways, but I knew we could do better, and I was a bit stuck. I, I was running out of ideas. So that is what sent me on a sabbatical, where I traveled across Canada visiting I was focusing on visiting United churches. It it could well have been any other denomination too, but I decided just to focus on the United churches, thought that might be a little more applicable to to our church, just to get ideas as to as to how we can continue <laughs> moving in a in a in a thriving direction as opposed to a survival direction. Right? Um, one of the surprises was that. There are a lot more thriving United Churches than, uh, than I thought, than probably anyone in the United Church thinks, because we all think we're dying. <laughs> and it, and it, it maybe an inferiority complex is one of our identities. Um, I think that actually is true. Um, I'm doing a webinar right now on, on the book, and there's over 200 people from across Canada, part of it. And I asked them all to throw in the chat box how they would define thriving and uh, they did that uh, very well, and uh, then I talked about how I defy, define thriving, and um, as I, one comment, and I heard this actually from some of the thriving churches that I had asked to visit, wow, I guess what we're doing all this, I, I guess that means we're thriving. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, one, I mean, one of the things, even even two of the churches I visited had that same sense of what like you called us like why because you're doing really well really <laughs> so to, to identify um our gifts as opposed to our uh, the the presence of plenty as opposed to the absence of the past is mm-hmm. how i would say it uh is really important it, it's that's part of that um appreciative inquiry process where you well i personally believe god equips um all of our churches with the gifts we need even if there's just a few people that's what we have and that's what we need and so go with what you have um as opposed to mourning what you don't have um and that is really important with uh uh to have a positive attitude that was another characteristic i discovered in these thriving churches um um when as soon as newcomers walk through the door, they'll, they'll detect an attitude of joy and positivity or uh, mourning and loss, which ends up turning in on one another and moving it to blaming and conflict and a number of things that aren't very pleasant. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah.
1: <clears throat> what would you say is the most surprising thing that you discovered um, while visiting all of these churches? Yeah.
2: Um, well, after I was, I would say about three quarters of the way into into my visits, I was struck with how it wasn't what they did that was they shared in common that was key to the thriving. It's who they were. Um, and so then I began to identify some of what I what I eventually called spiritual attributes of these churches. And they, I thought, they sound very familiar with the, with the New Testament churches. And so I, in, in the book, I, I have drawn some parallels between um, the epistle writings and, and, um, and the book of Acts as they describe the followers of the way as they were first called. They weren't called Christians at first. Um, and, uh, and, and identify how, how those descriptions could very well be used to describe these thriving churches today. So that was a, it, the key is relationships. It, it's not, it's not, um, it's not technology. Some people say well, we just have to get screens or we just have to do this or do that. Well, no, it's not so much doing it's being it, it's how to develop those spiritual attributes internally. And then as a congregation.
0: Do you, you mentioned um, like celebrating the gifts you have and not mourning the past. Have you f- found that in a lot of your travels too, though? A lot of churches are kind of clinging to the past and maybe like romanticizing the past. And if only we could get back to where we were in 1978.
2: Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah. Now in my travels, I mean, on my sabbatical, I only visited thriving churches. So actually, no, I didn't encounter that because they're thriving. Right. Um, But yes, I would say, I would say most United churches, well, maybe even not just United churches. I recognize evangelical churches are also losing numbers. Um, This is a little aside. Um, uh, Bibi, yes. our Canadian sociologist, told us that the, the uh, rate of decline is, is the same in evangelical churches as it is in the mainstream denominational churches. The difference is that evangelical churches are planting new churches and we are not as much. So um, that's that I found quite interesting. So in other words, yes, uh, probably all churches are saying, oh, like like Westworth United Church is an example. We used to have 500 children in Sunday school, <laughs> which yeah. is true, they did, like it's amazing. And um, now I'm thinking, wow, we've got 12. We're, we're doing pretty good. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs>
2: um, yeah. So I think to move, well, the other thing is, is to move out of the number counting game. Um, yes. There, there are two ways of looking at spiritual growth. One is to look at how many people, you know, the bums in the pews, how many, how many people are sitting in church, how many, uh, how, how much money is coming in. So, so the, the number game versus uh, the discipleship game, so that, and I wouldn't call it a game, I I shouldn't call either a game, really, but is the focus on increasing numbers, or is the focus on increasing disciples, and so that would suggest, if you do the discipleship focus, um, the emphasis is on spiritual growth of their own members, and Uh, A very strong sense of outreach and responsibility for the surrounding community and meeting needs outside as well as inside the the church. So the focus goes on sort of a missional focus as opposed to a um, number crunching focus. Uh, that that really makes a big difference if you're doing the right things you don't you shouldn't have to worry about the numbers right
0: right that's great i was a small church pastor for a number of years and i always said that was my goal was to just create continually maturing disciples but at the end of every Sunday, I would run to the back and look at the attendance sheet.
2: Yes, well, of course, <laughs> me too. You know, we, we have the financial statement up as I go to my office, and I'm always looking at it as a <laughs> bath, right? We're we're a little bit addicted to numbers. So I I should know better. You're right. I do I do it too. I mean, we, we how, all do it.
0: How do you um, gauge spiritual growth in congregations?
2: Well, now there's a very good question. Um, we are we're about to start. Uh, Lent, and I'm trying to get a few small groups together going through, we're using some really good material that goes through a, a, a book of the Bible each year, and we're focusing on the Gospels for the first few years. Um, it it has, um, uh, so people read, read a chapter or so, depending how much to, so we can cover the whole book within Lent, and some really good personal reflection questions for each day, so the daily readings, and then the small groups once a week will be a place to check in, support each other, and um, talk about some of the reflections, what, which ones were meaningful. That, I think, is a test. So we, we have three groups now at Westworth doing this, um, and it, it requires you to talk about your faith. And in the United Troops, it's pretty scary, um, but these these folks are enjoying it. And, and this is our second year. So where we've got three groups going again. Um, so I think I get I can't say I'm using numbers there, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess to provide as many opportunities as possible to to deepen our faith and also to learn to begin to not be afraid of talking about it with one another. Um, those would be some indications of um uh of that. I most of us follow Richard Rohr in our daily meditations at, at our church and um well not our church, like I think you're know, in church across the board, across Canada, a lot of people are, are following Richard Rohr's daily meditations, which are really challenging and, and quite deep. Um I am surprised how many people are attracted to that because it, it really goes into some intense theological discussion. Um but uh, the, the fact that the congregation nods when I talk about Richard Rohr, like I can see people like, oh, you know about this. Oh, you're following it too. Uh, in fact, I'm thinking after Lent, I might do a weekly um, small group study on Richard Rohr. Like how was Richard Rohr's reflections for you this week? And to see where, where it takes people. So to to begin to get, have the courage to talk about our personal faith, which is which is a deeply personal, private thing. Um, is, is really challenging. But I I think those are indications that spiritual growth is happening, right?
1: Going back to your cross-country trip, did you notice any differences between the urban churches and the rural churches when it came to these thriving churches?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I only visited urban churches, although one was, they define themselves as both. And um, at the same time that I did my sabbatical, a colleague, un- unknown to me um, at the time, um, unknown to me, um, did the same with rural churches. And so, uh, when I began to write up what I had learned, I learned, I learned about her doing the same study. So we met briefly and said, you know, let's, let's compare notes. Let, let's work together on this. And so she is a major contributor to the book. Um, and, and that is how we, we get that contrast between rural and urban. Um, Caring for one another is is a is a really important piece of being a thriving church. And rural churches do that innately, automatically. Smaller churches, a part of it is the size. So if you're a smaller church, you might have a better better chance of being thriving because you know how to care for one another. Right? Yeah. Um, urban churches, some do that really well, and others, um, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for bigger churches to to. Um, not let people fall through the cracks like to know everyone to let people do what they want some don't want to be part of small groups and that that's okay you you can't force that of course um but how to keep that level of care um to the degree that rural churches do is uh that's a that's a that's a real challenge and then of course in these COVID times in in my book I also talk about the COVID test so I we all we went back to all of the churches we visited last year we visited them in 2019 but last year we we revisited uh through zoom and uh, phone conversations and found out that they were all doing really well um the biggest challenge for the rural churches was the lack of technology and not necessarily skill but availability um this simply isn't some of the the internet connections simply aren't strong enough to to do zoom um so the the lack of a of a of a technological infrastructure in rural areas is, is a significant challenge. Uh, But (laughs) the test of um, the test of a thriving church is their ability to be flexible and innovative. And so these rural churches were able to find very creative ways to still um, get the worship service out in some way to all of their members um, to um, some of them began to record it and were able to quickly connect with personal care homes in the area and get recordings, um, uh, set up. So, so the personal care homes could view it and find at least one way to not to, to move out of their forced isolation. Um, now those are some examples of of the rural, the rural challenge and how they, they have risen to meet that.
0: For people that are, uh, maybe they feel like they're part of a declining church and they're just hanging on to hope and they want to become a thriving church. Like what's your one big takeaway then that people could start to put in place to turn things around in their faith community?
2: Um, Relationships is key. So to, to, to really focus on how to care for one another Um, so that when people come in, they will, they won't just be a, a, a person on the sidelines they'll be embraced immediately in the community without repeating myself um i'm just trying to think i I guess what i've said before is would be would be some of the key the key pieces to that there there is in the in the back of the book a a a eight session study on um spiritual attributes about how to develop them within ourselves and then extend that into the congregation so spiritual development is um yeah, and I'm hoping that you know some might pick it up as a Lenten study or something. But yeah, it, it's spiritual development is, is important to that. Um, actually, I had one reviewer of, of the book or editor of the book said um, three the three characteristics of a thriving church are community, justice, and discipleship. And um, that Gail Allen uh, wrote wrote that, and uh, as being a, a an editor of, of my book, she, she had a very close read. And th- those are the three words that she came up with that seemed to to, to encapsulate um, a thriving church.
1: Tell us a little bit more about your book and where people can find that book.
2: So it, it can be found um, through the United Church Publishing House. So you, you uh, United Church Resource Distribution Center. So ucrdstore.ca. Is, is the email address of the, uh, of the publishing house, and you can order it directly from there. It's uh, the, book's, the book's 1995. It's, it's an easy read, um, accessible with tons of examples of churches from all across the, the country, um, along with the spiritual attributes study at the, at the back. That helps with uh, personal spiritual growth as well as uh, developing those attributes in the church. Uh, in in the book, the very first chapter is about the spiritual attributes because I thought it was important to talk about how they were the being part before I talked about what they did the doing part, which is the second chapter um, talking about characteristics of thriving churches. And then the third chapter is meeting the challenges of COVID and beyond, like how did they survive, uh, how are they surviving through COVID, and what are they doing? So there's some additional things that that they all shared in common that I've talked about in that chapter, and um, the, the next one, just before the spiritual attributes study, is I, I looked at the descriptions of intercultural churches in the United Church and found that that description was quite similar to thriving churches. And I think thriving churches lay a very good foundation for becoming an intercultural church, but a lot of them still have a ways to go to, to, to become intercultural. And that includes um, looking at ways to become an anti-racist church, so that certainly came up in the fall (laughs) um a lot of churches were beginning to seriously look at that because of what was happening in the society so so that that's a a very brief summary of of what's in the book
0: thanks so much Lorraine I'm looking forward to reading the book and I think a lot of people that do read it they're going to realize are Church is a lot more thriving than we thought it was.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we need we need to do a little better with our self-image.
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation again and get some bonus material, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike Tom, and colleen Hood. You can find that podcast at podcastfil.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on connections.